Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live in the episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the present. And in the last few episodes, our party have infiltrated the city of Eagleheart, and boy, howdy, let me tell you, in that last episode, that party did one heck of a fight. They done did the battle, and they uh, kicked some butts. Some bloody, bubbling, chainy, magnet, fridge-riding butts. Uh, as the party fought valiantly to do their best to defeat Kaliskai and save the imprisoned peoples of uh, her dreaded little torture chamber, uh, the dreaded Queen Succubus of Eagleheart and Amaroth uh, drew her last breath. But as she did, and Jarzak gave her quite the clobber on the back of the head, she cried out that she was sorry and that there must be more time and that they have to give her a second chance. And wondering what this could be, the party, all of a sudden, witness tentacled space octopus beasts appearing in the chamber and in a very finger waggly scoldy kind of way the party were given quite the uh wiggle-lipped explanation that they had messed everything up and all of their plans were wrought and at this point the party stand surrounded by our tentacled friends bloody beaten bedraggled a little curious why they're still attached to the refrigerator and trying to figure out what could possibly be going on. So as the wet slurping noises inside of your brain cease for a moment, and the milky white eyes of the purple floating tentacled beasts staring upon you, the party realize just how outnumbered and how outmatched they may be at this point. So as they stand there staring at you vacantly, the voices echoing in your head, again, a voice calls out, You must make this right. All right, I'm not going to do the lick noise every time, but just imagine there's a weird wet lick noise every time. I didn't even hear it to begin with, so. Oh, okay. I'm glad that didn't pick up on the mic. <laughs> Make what right exactly? And with that, they just sort of float there vacantly again. The the most alien component of them is they just kind of float as if like no breeze, no nothing. And they just dangle there in the sky, floating over you like ghosts. And even as they speak, the fact that there's no movement from any of them just horrifies you that much more. As these alien beasts sort of seemingly voices coming from nowhere all at once into all of your heads, as if in your own little amphitheater of noise, you hear the voices beckon back to you, and they say, You must correct what has happened here. She was our only chance of salvation. 
I think Jarzak's just trying to figure out where he picked up another voice from. <laughs> oh my god. He's got his little headset on. He's like, uh, please hold. Uh, what did I do for this one? Oh, shit. Well, um, she was doing a lot of really bad stuff here, so we kind of had to stop her. Suddenly a voice, somehow with directionality, comes from behind you all. And you hear a voice say, Fools! You do not know the meaning of pain. She was doing nothing in comparison to what will happen. Do you not understand the power of the Herald of Steel? Of course we do. That's exactly why we're here, trying to stop his second most or most powerful ally, and then we're going to go stop him. They say, what would you have done if you defeated her? How do you plan on defeating that which cannot be defeated? We have laid plans of our own. One of them chimes in again and says, your minds are very well open to us, dwarf. You had no plans. It's just an empty box. <laughs> it's just an empty tankard laying on its side. My mind is an enigma, but it's just a tankard of ale. No, it's like a hot pickle. It's just hot pickle chilling in his head. But it's like dancing. That, that's, a, that's, stick my, figure that's, our, that's our skill. We have no plan. We kind of make it up as we go. So was like, the so mind player speaking about like how we were going to stop the Herald of Steel? Because we do have a plan for that, kind of. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Stab him till he dies. So we can go fight him and kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we already get all the other important stuff. Now we just have to do the easy part, which is stab him till he dies. Of course. Well, and so we have a plan. We're going to defeat him in battle. With that, they sort of uh, echo back with what slurping laughter in your minds, mocking you. But in a sense of how, I don't know, immature your mentality on this issue is, and they say, he is immortal. He cannot be defeated in such a way. Are you honestly unaware of his conditions? We have changed those conditions. Be that as it may. It is not possible to harm him while he is within his spire. And at this moment now, he may already be distancing us from the rest of the cosmos. Well, then all we need to do is draw him out. What was going to be your plan with, um, Kalaskai? How was she going to fix it? Kalaskai was there from the beginning and knows all of the construction of the spire. We have reason to believe there is a way to undo its construction. But doing so would require great finesse and an understanding of the intimate workings of such a structure. Yes, the Herald may die, but the machinations of his devising are not to be undone by killing him. His immortality is bred within that immortal structure. He himself has bridged the gap between the realms of the immortals and this living realm. Surely you must understand, his plans are nigh complete. Don't call and, me Shirley. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and so, Shirley, they will be soon, completed soon enough. This is Cleek of the Nightmares. She didn't get to introduce herself and ask everyone thinks her name is Shirley. If if Kyle's guy was that valuable of an asset for you, why did you even let us fight her in the first place? Why didn't you step in? 
The one below who knows all told us not to. Evidently, it knows much of you and knows one of you is of particular value. Perhaps yeah. together with the knowledge that Kalaskai had, you may complete what she could not. And don't go yelling at us like we ruined your plans here. I think that was a little bit rude from the start. <laughs> Anton's feeling He's... very sassy today. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, but it, at this it point, a hard look. he's like, are, are you our enemy, though? And he kind of just takes a look at the rest of the group and he says, we might not be in the best shape, but we'll do what we can to defend ourselves and the rest of this world. With that, the collective reply back to you again in their strange, echoing, booming tone. We do not conceive of enemies in this way. In such a sense that your common rabbit may fear the wolf. Are they enemies, or is this nature? In the same sense, that which has no thought, no heartbeat, and no life is not necessarily our enemy. This is the undoing. This is a cosmic enemy, a force of undoing. To call this an enemy is nothing short of an understatement. Surely you understand an enemy can be bested. This cosmic force wishes to see you undone and see your existence wiped from all memory. Nothing will be left behind. We are not your allies. We are not your enemies. We are the living, and this is the last chance we have. Well, that already makes you more reasonable than the Lich. But I don't think yeah. I like you as much as the dragon. Be straightforward. How do we destroy the spire so that we can open up the vulnerability that we have left in the Herald of Steel? A test. We must test you all. The Great One below demands your fealty and your ultimate trust. For if you fail in this mission, all will be lost. Understand this. This test is not frivolous. This is not the sort of event that one should take as a simple act. As this one, and somehow you guys all know that they're talking about Norhill, has referred in the past. This day will be done in battle, but it will be won with calculated movements. The king of Azkabellum is not as he appears. You must find the true king, for he is not within Entin. Trust us on this, as a sign of good faith, that he is not your king, and they are doing everything in their power to undermine you and your council, and they are profiteering on this war. The greed of men will be the downfall of all civilization and life. This test is to see that you trust what we mean and what we stand for. If you do not succeed in this, and you do not return the king, your infinite battalions of Azkabellum will fall, and there will be no hope in ever getting close to the spire. 
Do I make myself clear? Uh, y- yes. Could could you help us get her down? And click a point stove. The uh, lady the who's still up chains. That yeah. Well, I don't know if yeah. Clicka knows that, but just tries. <laughs> Being identical to what Kalaskai once looked like. Yeah. The collective reply, there are more important matters than just her. Plus, at this point, her mind is nearly completely lost. The torment that the demon placed upon her is otherworldly, distasteful to say the least. But, tis their way. Oh, okay. Jarzak, or Klika just makes the uppy sign to Jarzak to see if he'll lift her up so that she can try and get her down. Jarzak will do it. Okay. So at this point, the mind flayers just sort of floating there. Again, one of them asks, have we made ourselves clear? We will find the true king. It seems that both of our parties have much to gain from this anyway. You All of life have much to gain. But unfortunately for you, Lord of the Halls, you still have much to give. Norhill sort of cocks an eyebrow at that. Um, you wouldn't happen to know if there's a teleportation circle somewhere in Eagle Heart, would you? With that, they just kind of seem very curious as to what you mean, and they just sort of begin to blip out of existence. Uh, maybe they don't need them. Okay. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get this lady down and then I'll find it. It's fine. I think, I think at this point, Anson's going to try to check on everyone else. If they Hopefully they're still in the hallway and they're not getting eaten by something. Yeah, they're at eating this point, each other. Yeah, they're oh so hungry. Oh when you wander down the hall and go check on them, it seems that they are either unconscious or not doing very well and in various states of delirium. Being victims of such terrible torture and having seen this battle, the kind of the only thing that really roused them from their state was battle. And so now that things have come to peace and they're finally laying on the ground with control over their limbs and stuff, they all seem very much so too weak to really do much about it. You know what I mean? And they're all just sort of laying there in various states. The only one who's not really in any state of uh, survivability, I guess is what would appear to be the corpse of a uh, very beheaded Jaden. Is his head still, like, talking? Or no. is he, like, lifelike? Or is he, like, totally just... Like, I, I do a medicine check, and he's totally dead, dead. Yeah, no, he's, he's... Yeah, you don't need a medicine check. He is a beheaded and very cold corpse. Hey, so. you know, just because the corpse has been beheaded doesn't mean it's dead, dead. Yeah, we, we watched him get beheaded, like... Two months ago, so it's a little wild that you think this means anything now. I'm just yeah. saying that, like, with a common inspection, he's not moving in any way, shape, or form. And if he was truly dead, a medicine check would not be what you needed to see if he's still something of a moving creature. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have any necromancy kind of things prepared, so I can't really bring him back yet. We just, you should. Yeah, we can probably just bury him in yeah. somewhere. Oh, wait, do I have that thing where I can make him talk and he can tell don't us stuff do. again? I think. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think for I that spell to work, uh, the creature needs to have a working mouth. 
But so his, you gotta head's, find the head. is his head still there? I mean, his head's right next to him. Oh, shit. But I don't think I have it. Nah. Nah. I'm not, I can't do it. <laughs> We're not bringing back the pea farmer. <laughs> no. Um, no, Unless, Does okay. Darzak get that spell just because for, like, Hexblade stuff? No. Was it Antin who cast it the first time? I cast yeah. it, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, we're good then. What spell speak with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just have it. Oh, well, oh I, did, I wasn't sure, because sometimes warlocks get, uh, like, weird stuff. I don't think I got it until recently, though. But yeah. Oh. Damn, I'm good. I mean, we don't have to talk to him. I was just thinking, like, huh. But if, we were, if we're, like, we need to be civilized beings and bury him and let him rest, then I'm... Hinton's totally behind that as well. I just didn't know if we need to glean more information if everyone else is kind of not really informative at the moment. We will certainly have time enough for that. We we could just bring him back and say, would you believe us if we told you we're sorry? And depending on what he says is the answer to that. That'll really give us a pretty good (laughs) idea of how he's feeling. I mean, you could do it. We could ask a little bit about the actual queen. I mean, if he knows how long they've been swapped, if he knows like there might be anything that we can do to help her, stuff like that, try and make her life less terrible. I'm sure, he'd appreciate sure. that. Yeah, are we stuck with a number amount of questions, or is it time? I can't remember what speak like. It's five questions. It's <laughs> as many yeah, questions as you can ask the DM. And you can only speak <laughs> the dead on the same corpse once per week. Oh, so we can just carry his head with us. I don't think we should. <laughs> that feels kind of yeah, bad taste. <laughs> That poor man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, so what yeah, no, we, we, then? I'll, I'll cast it just and, to get some okay. info. Anton, do you what still does have it look like? sending prepared? Just What does it look like when Jarzak tries to speak with the dead? Uh, I guess all of a sudden, like, just bugs start coming out of his gauntlet and just Didn't crawl you, all over you, the corpse. You said you got this recently. Why are there still bugs, Jarzak? <laughs> I figured it'd be something similar to when you can raise a specter. Oh, uh, yeah, because th- I got that about the same time. I mean, I whatever. I mean, were, it's your character. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to re- see his living reflection in the blade of his sword because you're a blade master with a special blade. Yeah, that sounds pretty good too. <laughs> but he's know, actually man. a bug. <laughs> I, I can use sending, by the way. I just have to use it as a higher level spell. But I, I can do it. Alright. Okay. So what do you think, Jarzak? Like I can't speak with dead. As you hoist the head up a uh and I hope a sort of respectful way. And the bugs crawl from the gauntlet and you see its reflection in the blade. Um you see Jaden's eyes roll back in his head and his mouth begin to like chew on nothingness as he seems to like almost animatronically like come to life with his little zombified head kind of wiggling about. And then finally his eyes roll normal and look at you and he gasps for a moment, lifeless and breathless. And he looks to you with a very 
if you could imagine this dead look in his eyes, and he stares at you. So what would you like to ask? Uh, how you doing there, bud? Oh, shit. That's it. He says, I am at peace. I have done my best to protect this land. And the one who has done greatest of wrath to my people is now dead. I may rest. Oh, Keith, sorry for waking you up then. Uh, guys, what did, what did we want to know? How long's the uh, queen been swapped? He has been unwell in this way since before I met you. Since before her brothers died and before her father fell ill. Oh, great. Is there anything we can do to help her? A weird question. I suppose the most cryptic answer I can give you is yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. D to not be a douche. Um, she was destined to rule this land. But her mind may be very well lost following the torment she faced. I did everything to protect her and to keep her alive. And yes, I have succeeded in my quest. Okay, so you don't want us to kill her. Was that a fucking question, Jarzay? It, it sure was. A question. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, he says... What, what do you expect from Jarzay? I suppose so. No, let me just min-max the question asking. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a thing that you would, I don't know, whatever. So with that, he says, no, don't kill her. Uh, Norhill will jump in uh, before Jarzak uh, can have a, <laughs> a, a chance to ask something like, are you sure? Uh, and say, what did you know of Kaliskai's plans? Oh, and with that, one. he says, I knew much. And I kept detailed record. And with that, his eyes close and his mouth closes. And it seems that all animation has left his form. Well, might as well check the body. He couldn't have been keeping detailed records too many places. I mean, he probably had a room here, but I mean, we can just take... I'll I'll take the head with me and we'll ask again if we can't it's find start it. start to rot. This is going to get really gross. Yeah, hey, I might be. Able, no, I'd actually never mind. I don't think I have the spell. Jarzak, I also don't know if we're gonna spell. have a week to wait. It's actually, it's actually ten days to be honest. Which I know doesn't really change things much, but you're gonna have a lot less of of Jaden's face left over at that point. Cool. Yeah, last time I had a character who like carried around skulls and shit. I I don't want to get back into that kind of gaming. So. Let's see if we bury him and let him be. There's going to be other people who have information. Oh, I don't now, think hold on. For now, there are some very pressing concerns. I understand the importance of burying and mourning the dead, but we don't know how much of the armies are still active out there. We need to make sure that we are safe and secure, first and foremost. Manta looks for the others. Can he just do like heal checks and stuff on the others so at least like any pain they're in is relieved from loss of like yeah. digits and stuff? I'll let you Yeah, I'll let you roll a medicine check just to stabilize the group of them. Okay. 
One second. And while Anton is doing that, Norhill is going to do his best to run down to the main gates and make sure they are strongly barred. Okay. I mean, as you... Shore it up a little bit. So as you rush out the main entryway that you originally saw the two giant magnet golem guys, uh, that little passageway you had walked by with that guy who was very dead, um, you go to the main doors that lead to sort of the uh, overarching, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the balcony that looks over the first floor main foyer to the palace here. And as you walk up to those doors and crack them open, you can hear on the other side that there are definitely voices downstairs and milling about. Uh, and it sounds like the guards are just kind of moseying about doing their normal thing. So Indian you can't guards. even make it out to the main gate. All right. Uh, so Norhill will immediately turn around. and they, they sound like humanoid voices, though, right? Not the metal warriors. No, oh, it sounds like the metal warriors. Oh, okay. Never mind. It'd be very strange if human guards were just here, like, well, glad that that's over with. Well, you, you don't know. Maybe she had sick of dance or something. Um, but yeah, so uh, Norhill runs back to the throne room and says, No, no, no. The metal warriors are still very much active. Well, we're going to have to find a way to get the rest of these, the rest of everyone else out of here. There was that, like, five other. We now have five. People we have to get out, including the including the queen. Uh yeah, I believe so off the top of my head. Well do we um, need to get them all out? It would be good if we could find the teleportation circle inside the castle or town if there is one, but if not, Klika can draw one of her own, but then it means I... it'll be a lot harder getting back here if we ever needed to. I mean, the I queen. suggest that what we do is we bar ourselves uh, in the tower from which we came. That way, we'll have a better chance of defending ourselves in case they come for us. True. Just as a just as a reminder um, of the people who were left behind, uh, there were six people chained up, including Jaden, who's now not really with us, uh, but Margay, Shereel, Alvir. And Starbreeze and the old lady Antonia are the uh, people who are chained up. Not so, her brother, though. No, not Obroth. Yeah, I mean, couldn't we just, you know, patch up the queen a little and ask her where the circle is and she probably knows? I mean, at least two different beings said that maybe... Her mind's not fully there anymore, so I don't know how reliable that'll be. I But if we need to get out of here, we can be gone in less than a minute if you just give me the time. Mm. Wait, and then just as us, a... or do I need to remove some people? You, Jarzak, did you not get enough killing in today? Is there like what happened? Well, if you need a minute, you can have a minute. That's easy. Yeah. So, boy, I got a 10 on my medicine check. I'm not sure if that makes any difference. That's enough to stabilize everybody. Okay. Dressing like Margay's missing fingers, wound, and all that. Um, but the only other thing I would say is that uh, 
based on what Jaden had told you in that cryptic little message, I mean, you could get to his room. Being the first in command underneath the queen, his room would be around here. Yeah, so while Kleek is working on tele- uh, teleportation circle, Norhill will go look for that. Is there any like rooftop access around that I would know of? I mean, you guys, yeah, from where you guys had come in through, you'd be able to climb out that window onto the roof. And from where you are up here in the throne room, uh, it's likely you'd be able to get out of one of the back windows out here and climb up onto the roof. It's not going to be a very easy walk, but it would be a walk you could do. I'll cast supply so I can zoom and get there quick. Get where quick? Uh, out, out the window and up. Up where? the roof to the roof i'm confused okay i'm just saying you could walk back up the stairs you came down in about a minute or two and then you're looking out the window of the uh tower yeah flying doubles that speed it's easier you know (laughs) before we were worried about how many uses of fly we had and now here we are flying so we don't have to walk for two minutes (laughs) supply and command so Um, it'll be a tough walk so Jesus Christ. This is mid-level um, play, okay. man. Yeah, right. This is what it is. It's very mid indeed, Anthony. Um, so with that, um the... Shut up. <laughs> so with the... <laughs> so with that, um can uh can you roll me a investigate check, Mr. Norhill? Right, let's see here. I certainly can roll you a six. Nice. So you are able to find a hall that juts off from the queen's own main chambers, which themselves seem like they would probably be very well locked and trapped, um, as well as whatever kind of nightmares might be waiting for you on the other side of that door. But looking down this hall, it definitely seems like of the five rooms here, at least one of them must have belonged to Jaden at some point or another. All right. Uh, so Norha will just search all five of them, starting with the closest one. Okay, so reaching into the first room, it looks like it's kind of hard to tell what this room used to belong to or who it used to belong to, rather, uh, as it's been pretty well beat up, smashed, and nearly completely destroyed. But looking in the second room, you can tell that the level of reinforced furniture and the very simple living space, as well as a couple of stands with which armor would be placed upon, it seems easy enough to tell that this must have been Jaden's chambers. Uh, and judging by the simple chests at the foot of the bed um, and a small lectern on the other side of the room with a nice leather-bound chair, um, it doesn't seem like there's too much in this room to be hiding. Uh, sorry, can you just describe uh, the furniture and stuff in the room one more time? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty simple stuff. There's basically a lectern and a chest and like a simple bed and an armor stand. Okay, uh, Norhill's going to go over to the chest. Okay. So, popping it open and looking inside, you see a pair of old boots, some old wraps, some old clothing, and what appears to be very simple training military garb, as if perhaps some 30 or 40 years ago, Jaden may have been wearing this in his first years of service to the queen or the king of that time. No sign of notes or anything? Mm Nope. Uh, Norhill is going to turn the chest over to check for like a false bottom or anything. Okay. So flipping it over and looking around underneath, 
As you do so, you can tell that there is one single leather-bound notebook wrapped with a thin strip of yarn that seems to have enclosed and clasped the front shut. Aha! Uh, Dorhill's going to grab the notebook and just give it like a cursory flip through real quick to check and see if this is actually what he's looking for. Jaden would not have gotten this job if he was not somebody who paid a lot of attention to things and kept a small, like a really good eye on detail. And the level of meticulous, like notation that's included, including what seems to be markings of like the, you know, the time of day based on the sun, everything down to like the finest of details of how he was feeling. This like 200 page journal, probably within it, you could learn much of everything you ever needed to know about Jaden and anybody he worked alongside if you had the time to read it over. But given the quick glance through it, I'll let you roll a uh, another investigate check to sort of glance it for anything of great importance. Uh, oh, this time it's a four. Okay. Well, I, I mean, you go on Tuesday. I mean, I'll say this much. I, I think that it makes sense that you probably wouldn't even need a roll for this, all things being equal, just because you know that if it's true that he wasn't well towards the end of his life because of everything that happened here, you just go to where he was last writing. You know what I mean? And you see that, like, there's notes about the end of, you know, him being a person, basically. And um, with a quick glance as you start heading back to the rest of the party, reading as you do. Um, it seems that Jaden details how strange the queen has been behaving since she assumed her role. And you can tell in the pages beforehand how much he was betrayed by uh, the king dying and his sons and how much he felt like a failure and, you know, contemplated things like quitting his position or worse. Um, but the queen behaving as she did was strange. Uh, he mentions in some small detail having met you guys. And mentions like preparing for the party and having met you guys uh, the first time and said how strange the goblin was in the group, but said that they all That's meant well true. and seemed that like... That can't be right. They must have been a different goblin. <laughs> <laughs> seemed that the party were all decent enough people. Uh, looking through here even more, you can tell that there's notes about assassination attempts on the queen and the eyes of failure and how, you know, she had taken to hiding, but he mentions that she began to act even more strange. He probably excuses this to being something of somebody who's being hunted by assassins, just being weird because of that. But there comes other points where he mentions her behavior being far more strange and how he'd been punished for, you know, inquiring about her odd hours and meetings and times she's been alone in her chambers screaming at somebody or something. Um, but yeah, essentially when things really went rough is when he mentions how much Norhill angered her on the day of the knighting ceremony. And when the party decided to leave, how the queen had instructed her to begin inspecting the ruins where the dwarven structure used to be and mentioned trying to hire mercenaries and other adventurers and his own soldiers to go scope out the dwarves and see what was going on. Um, when he returned, apparently things got rather violent and she told him in a very uh, demonic way that she was now his master, let alone his employer, let alone the queen, and that he was to go meet some people uh, to the west about a very particular deal that they would have as a very important employer had come into the queen's court and he was to meet with a trio of strange unknown people, including somebody named Vesturch and a couple of unknown mercenaries working besides him. Um, 
He mentions that he had met the Herald of Steel and that by this point he didn't feel good about anything going on here. And uh, when punished for his insolence, uh, both the first time with uh, Antonia and trying to save her from the queen, basically eating her alive, um, he was, uh, you know, to be sentenced to death. Uh, and so the last of the messages he has written in here include him apologizing for not working harder, not trying harder. And the tone seems to shift from him detailing records to him basically writing his last will and testament. And basically he says that he will make it his last, you know, will in life and beyond to make sure that the kingdom of Amaroth is protected from this unholy threat and that he would find where the queen ended up and he would kill this weird, strange, succubus lady who took over. And it would be his last will to do so. Um, beyond that, yeah, that's kind of the most important notes there. The only other thing he ever mentions is that Callous Sky, towards the end of her little career, her little reign of terror here, had spent a lot more days looking alienishly quiet and oftentimes sitting with her eyes open, completely vacant, as if hearing things and listening in, and every once in a while her eyes would roll back in her head. So he wasn't sure what was going on, but, you know, I mean, she's a succubus, really. Does any of it make sense? All right, uh, Norhill will return to the throne room, saying, I've found Jaden's notes. Everything we could ever wish to know about what happened is right here though it will take some time to work through it all. Okay. So, I suppose my last question is, does anybody else want to look through his notes or anything else within the castle before uh, jetpacking up to the tower top to look out on the roof or making a teleportation circle for the uh, unwell? I mean, uh, I is going to look over to Anton, um, Anton, maybe before we get back, yeah, could you send a message to maybe Rudalu or Aldo and let them know that we have good information that leads us to believe that the king of Ascabellum isn't actually the king? I don't know if they still have that weird bottle that I got sucked into, but if they do, maybe we could use that to get some answers. What do you think, Anton? Yeah, I think we want to do Rudaloo. Who's the one with the big stick? Aldo? Unless you know something intimate about the others that we don't know. No, I think think Aldo. He's been like the best voice of reason at those that funny colored council. Yeah, I'll is he, is he on the actual council though? Oh, he is. Okay, all right. Uh, I was gonna say he's listed separately in the document that we have from the rest of the council. So, yeah, but in Enton, because the quarry folk are all the small small folk, he's just the speaker for the halflings. So he's basically the second most powerful being out there, other than the council itself. Alrighty, I will do the sending. Can also Passing. let them know that we found everybody, right? Safe. Mm. And that the queen is dead. Yeah, well, I have like 25. I Long have like live the queen. 
<laughs> I have like 25 so you could say, yeah, now for the fun game. Catalyst guy is dead. King Therone, probably not the king. Sucky bottle? Question mark. I think I, I think I can do it. Uh, you you want to do it? Victory in Eagleheart. Throne imposter. Prisoners rescued. Returning presently. That's only nine. I think we can add some extra words into uh, King Throne imposter. You might want to add a little extra detail on there. But yeah, yeah. So basically, the main thought gets across. Um, cool. And because he's able to. Uh, Return a message. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> oh, sweet. He replies back very quickly and says, Wow, this is cool. Congratulations. <laughs> and then he says, We cannot act against the king in any way. This may lead to war. It seems like the council may have their hands tied. We might have to look into this. When he actually Our... left sending on and he started talking to somebody, so it catches <laughs> like the last nine words of a conversation he's happening with somebody else, where he's like, no, that's okay. I'll be there for dinner. What's for dinner anyway? Meatloaf. Oh boy. <laughs> You're like, I don't really know what that last part was supposed to mean. Well, we will <laughs> have to strategize a little bit, but it seems that the best way to Prove this information that we have is genuine would be to find the real king. Do we even know if the real king came over here in the first place? That's like the scary part. Oh. They could be all the way and ask him. Wait Perhaps a minute, you could use that same spell that you used previously to show us where oh, our companions my. are being held. Yeah, I could try that. We also have those scrying jewels upstairs. Um, well, maybe the mind flayers gave us a hint when they talked about the greed of humans, because there are a group of humans that have tried to profit off of this whole thing before. Oh, the ones to the south. Yeah. The, 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 the princes of Taihalon. Yeah, that's why I wanted to use their own bottle against them and just duck the uh, aid to the king in there and make him tell us. <laughs> Was the party planning on teleporting back? Yep. Yeah, but you yeah. teleport everyone else? How many people can teleport? Uh, as many people that can get into the teleportation circle while it's active for... I believe it's uh, a turn. Uh, is it nighttime? Um. Yeah, technically, yeah. Okay, well then, while Jarzak's doing his stuff up top real quick, uh, he's going to look around to see if there's any other flyers around. The, okay. the birds just peeking out. Okay, yeah, it definitely seems like there's a few of them and the giant shards of metal still floating around in the sky. Okay, and then he's just going to look for a safe spot somewhere immediately near him and plant the flag of the orcs. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I will say one thing that Got also it. comes to mind for the party, and I don't mean to press this onto anybody, but there is no true ruler of Amaroth at this point in time, other than Scramble Brains, McBrussel Sprout over there. 
Um, the entire treasury of the kingdom is now completely open and ready for the pilfering. If well, the yeah. party felt it so I mean, inclined to do so. Didn't they owe us anyway? <laughs> but yeah, this is always a rescue. No. I want nothing that is that's totally against just rescuing what the I, money. I, no, we must destroy the money. Okay, what? don't do that for sure. Yeah, don't that not that one though. Yeah, not, no, that I, seems extreme. Because I plant <laughs> the flag and go scoop all the money. That's what I figured Jarzak might do. His first act as a, a true king is to plant his flag in the city with no king but or queen. My, my city, oh, my well, money. Well, <laughs> yeah, apparently. no, there is a queen. Queen Alvier Garavar is still the rightful ruler. Yeah, and if we find out she's right of mine, Jarzak might give some back. You know, it's just... <laughs> She, she, she might not be well now, but when has that ever stopped somebody from being the king or the queen of a country? You know, Anthony, now's not the time, okay? I'm just saying, you know, the tenure of kings and their magistrates, right? True. So what would the party like to do then? As it seems like Clico would likely be able to finish her teleportation circle pretty quickly. Norhill's going to help get all the injured who are less able to move on their own into position for when the teleportation circle goes off. Okay. So yeah, Jarzak would have zoomed up with the fly and then planted the flag as soon as he could and then get to the treasury. And clear it out. You are going to the treasury. Jesus. 100%. Okay, so that will take you some time to get down there. And it does seem like this is going to take a little bit of stealthing around just because it seems as though the soldiers, like Norhill had mentioned, are it, still within the castle itself. If I hear any of them, I give up on the plan and just go meet back with the party. So, and as soon as you open up the door, you can hear them clinking around outside <laughs> the, uh, the doorway. You oh, can hear nope. them walking around downstairs. Uh, all set. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Okay. Oh. So with Jarzak giving up on his treasury heist, um. Before Klika finishes the circle, he's gonna be like, "Well, no one else tried." So he's gonna go ask the queen, "Do you know where the teleportation circle is in the castle?" So as you look upon the beautiful face of this very troubled individual, uh, she looks to you half within reality, half within the nightmares of her own mind, and as she looks to you and your rather attractive uh, orcish face, um. She has a glimmer of clarity for a moment, and she says, Who are you that would save me from such captivity? Uh, I, I'm just a loyal servant to your majesty. Where's the teleportation yeah. circle? For what it's worth, I, I, I don't mean to pull back the curtain on this. I rolled at disadvantage and got a 19 and a 20 on a saving throw for her to have clarity to respond to you. Uh, Jarzak, you may have been her knight in shining armor because she looks to you as if you may have pulled her from the nightmare storm of her mind. And she says, she says, uh, as she uh, holds on to you again and comes closer. Oh my god, I got it. Okay, I got an 18 and a 20 this time. I don't know what kind of damage. It's finally happening. 
<laughs> Jesus. The real queen Jesus. and the real pimp are finally united. <laughs> she she leans in closer and she says, thank you so much for having saved me. You can have anything you'd like. A circle? Magic circle? Well, there was once a wizard who stayed here, but I don't know if he's gone or dead. He used to have some sort of a chamber here, but yes, Orta Glare. That was his name. I remember now. He worked with my father. If ever there was a circle for teleportation, it would be in his his laboratory, but I'm afraid nobody's gone in there for some time. I may know the way. Are we safe to travel? Uh, as I quickly looks over to Kleeka and is like, I, I shrugs a little like uh, uh um let's I, maybe me you and her can go and we'll leave Norhill and Anton here if the way's clear we'll come back yes. I think it's reasonable we we will take you to the circle and so with that she just sort of nods in agreement and she says I'm afraid my my legs are weak are you strong enough to you. carry me? Oh, good. There you go. Jarzak. Uh, Klinka tries to princess not, carry the princess. The queen. I'm not going to lie. If I get an 18, a 19, or a 20 on this next roll for her clarity <laughs> here, which she could go full nanners and you could pick her up and she could snap into that PTSD and start attacking you like a wild wolverine. I'm just saying, if she pulls out of this again with a really good roll... Charizard's okay. going to try to I, rule whatever. the kingdom by her side, so. <laughs> well, okay. Unfortunately, I got a oh, two no. and a three. So it looks like our luck oh, may no. have dried up at this point. And as you pick her up into your arms, she looks to you and like a cat, like just like, you know, that feeling when you have a cat and something really loud happens and they decide you're a scratching post with which to jump off of. He just like digs like broken fingered claws into you and tries to kick herself off of your chest and falls to the ground with a very hard thump and it knocks the wind out of her and she pathetically tries to scramble away from you and she says, get your hands off of me, demon. Jarzak just like throws his hands up in the air. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, my queen. Is the king of of Gorgareth. Just <laughs> you know, if those orcs could see you now, man. Well, they'd see the flag flying high at least. Yeah. Hey, our kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, don't come in and Cla- hear any of this. Claimed it. <laughs> so with that, she scoots back on her butt up against a wall, and she holds her hands up as if to like shield her eyes from you. And it doesn't seem like she's gonna back down from this fugue that she's in right now. Jarzak will grab like food and water from his bag and just put it on the ground, kind of in front of her, and just step away. Very well. So seems like there's not much the party are gonna be able to do to get a to a magical, yeah, a gateway here. Um, she kicks the food away and she says it's poison riddled with maggots I've eaten this food a hundred times before you can't make me eat no more than she could and it doesn't seem like the party are going to be able to keep her from this current state she's in Charizak will still try he takes a bite and it's like it's fine puts it back down (laughs) 
Jarzak, you do have to get her back into the circle at the very least. Jarzak takes bite. It tastes absolutely awful. Yeah. (laughs) Makes the worst face. Just, (laughs) oh. It's like, no, it's okay. It's just because my gauntlet I got from the demon lord. I like the maggots. (laughs) This is gross. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's just the voices in my head. It's it's not you. It's me. Um, So, with that, um, she doesn't seem to take kindly to that, and she again just stays scooted back. Yeah, it's too bad. I don't have any spells that can like cure insanity. Do you have like, calm, calm, calm emotions or something? I thought the I same thing. I, have, I don't think I have it prepared. Oh no, Ronnie, no. you might be covering your microphone again. Oh shit, I don't, I don't have it prepared. I think I'm looking now. It's okay. Yeah. I yeah, I think my spells would mostly just make her more scared, so. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need. It could be like a Pac-Man thing where if you go far enough on one side, it come out the other end. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. It's the Pac-Man principle. Oh. Yeah, well, she's been used to. I'll just scare her into doing things. <laughs> Well, you or uh-huh. Norhill are going to have to manhandle her into the teleportation circle. Uh, uh, Norhill will get as close as he can to her without causing any kind of reaction. So okay. like, you get about 10 up. feet away before she turns. Uh, so then, you know, at that point, he's going to stop, you know, uh, show his hands uh, and say, Good lady, on my honor. We mean you no harm, but if you wish to come away from this dreadful place, I'm going to need you to come and stand with us. You can go ahead and roll for it. You can roll the uh, persuasion there. All right. I see oh, sure. Make, he can, yeah, he gets you make Norhill roll persuasion <laughs> check. I see how it is. I'm just saying that might impact her own insanity. Total of Even, Every time... I have I have rolled nothing but single digits all night. Yeah, rolling a disadvantage on this one hasn't been helping much since those first couple ones. So with that, she just kind of spits in your direction and she says, I shan't be tricked by you. None of you. Demons of the void. Just kill me and be done with it. I have an idea, actually. Ants looks around, he sees like the fear in her and he he wants to give her the lantern. It's like a calming, soothing light for her to kind of focus on. Kind of like a moth. But it won't burn her. He wants to try that. He's he's okay with risking the lantern for the sake of getting her out of this this state of, like, fight or flight. Um, her some way of just getting her to, like, focus on that. Would you like to try rolling channel, divi- uh, not the channel divinity, but the um, oh, divine the intervention? Yeah, let me do that. Let's... Not that I know that it'll work, but this might be an interesting time for it to work. There's an eleven percent chance. I got fourteen. Just missed. Oh, it. so close. Oh, oh that hurts. <laughs> That's very rude. Right. I know. I almost want to give you part of it. I mean, I'll definitely say that this is enough to to soothe her a little bit, but I want you to act out a little bit of what that actually looks like, considering this being a potentially close to divine intervention. 
Well, he, he looks to her and just sees the fear and he kind of looks toward his belt. He, he unhooks the lantern and makes sure it's not like, it, it's like in a calming light. And he kind of lifts the lantern like slowly toward her. He says, I understand you don't feel safe right now. We don't want that to be the case. If you focus on the light, I promise you'll feel better. Then he, he slowly takes steps toward her, being very mindful. And if and if he sees her like slightly fidget, he'll just put the lantern on the ground and like back off. He's like, just focus on that. And we promise everything will be better now on. All right, I'm going to roll this one and see how it goes. Okay, wow, okay. So that she seems to look to the lantern, then look to you, as if the lantern itself was like a living cobra coiled to strike her. And slowly but surely, she like sheepishly reaches forward to try to help herself up. And as she tries to get onto her knees and look at you guys, stands up, propping herself against the wall, she looks to you and squints, and she says, Thrail? Is that you? Thrail being the name of the high priest of Glory Oh Wade. no! It's kind of choked up. He's like, no. Like, Scream, I'm no Satan slapper. <laughs> yeah, right. He kind of catches his breath. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I am not Thrail. But I know of him. I am his pupil. Or um, was his pupil. Okay. And so at this point, she looks to you kind of confused by this, but she says, perhaps we should get going. If you step in this circle, we can, we can get going. So as the uh, party guide the wounded to the circle as well as the queen. Um, what does the teleportation process look like, Kalika? Um, I mean, it's nighttime now, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is there any moonlight coming in? Yeah, I would say there's a healthy bit of moonlight. Well, I guess, like, through the shattered glass of the windows and everything, and the way the moonlight's reflecting off of that, Suddenly, like, almost as if either the moon outside was moving around to cast light at different angles, or the light itself was being pulled from where it was. Uh, the lights start to, like, refract off of the glass and all point towards the uh, symbols that Click has drawn into the ground, and as it passes over them it leaves the chalk permanently illuminated and then the light sort of just crisscrosses from all these different points over the whole circle till the whole thing's illuminated and then at that last moment uh something clicks and we're all just gone nice okay and where's the other teleportation circle you're teleporting to straight to hell <laughs> not us <laughs> where you belong uh back with the lich yeah no it turns out and i i i i can't i just peeped one real quick in the negative plane 
<laughs> I thought it'd be cool if we just went back there real quick. See if we can get a take these backsies on your soul. Very good. So, with that, as the party uh, pour into the negative plane, um, <laughs> as the party end up on the street in Enton, uh, where the teleportation really, circle was. They really gotta find a better spot for this. As the party are dumped into the street, um, the uh, the group of you, as well as your additional saved people, uh, sort of stand there. Uh, those that have been saved fall to the ground with a sort of lifeless thlump as they land. The queen herself leaning on you before screaming in terror uh, after being teleported and making a very raucous and rowdy scene here in the street in the dead of night. As the people begin to pour out of the building, seeing the commotion in the street, recognizing it's you guys again in this very same place, you begin to realize that this area of the street has been sectioned off. And it oh, seems good. like the main road itself is sectioned around your teleportation circle because they recognize this happens at very abrupt and random moments. And nobody wants to get um, nobody wants to get uh, squashed by you guys teleporting in through starlight. But People immediately begin running out. Every once in a while, you hear somebody scream out that it's the queen. It's the queen. And people start screaming, Callous Sky, there's terror. She's screaming her little head <laughs> off. And it seems Excellent. like the townies have no idea what to do about this. Seeing the people uh, wounded in the street and seeing the party standing around, it definitely seems like they're just all very, very confused and scared. Uh, Norhill is going to step up and just kind of bellow silence so that it echoes up and down the street okay i mean with that people are silent and staring at you be calm there is no danger this is not Kalisky. now i'm going to need somebody to run and fetch healers for these people they are very badly wounded and also bring us a representative for the council so that we may be announced. And with that, people just start nodding their heads and rushing about. People begin to run down the street to where Anton's people were hanging out, where the uh, churchgoers of um, of Glory Wake were hanging out. And with that, priests are brought down in little bucket loads, as well as some halflings and some gnomes to help out with this act. Um, and finally, one of the uh, couriers for the council comes and runs and sees you guys, sees the queen, and yells out an expletive in Gnomish uh, before running back towards the council chambers at the big glowing disco ball orb. Uh, within the hour, it would seem that the council members are prepared to have a meeting with you guys, and it seems like all of the people that you had saved are being brought to the nearest uh, medical tent with which they could be cared for. The only one who seems to get the warmest of welcomes here is Margay, and Caracol, hearing the commotion outside of the tavern, rushes out and hugs onto her, screaming uh, and laughing in joy at her salvation before rushing over and hugging each member of the party in a very uncaracolish kind of way, the little halfling showering tears of joy at his sister's salvation grabs onto her again and in halfling seems to be yipping and yiddling something in a very strange and bippity-boppity kind of language. In an hour's time, the party are prepared to speak with the council. Uh, I hope we use that hour to clean up a little bit. It's probably a good idea. Kind of make sure the rest of the group gets where they need to be to rest. Shereel at one point when coming to thanks you and he says, 
for one moment there, I felt like something was watching me in that terrible place. I thought I heard your voice. And he seems to chuckle a little bit to himself. And he says, uh, maybe it was just the Illuminator coming to me in a vision. But either way, I felt your presence near me. And it carried me through. I believe, and I still walk in the light, Anton. Thank you. But remember, Anton is definitely not a saint. No, <laughs> he ain't. He just looks like he just looks like Santa Claus, not yeah. Santa Claus. Saint so Claus. The people envisions uh, feeds the hungry masses from literally nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, can Klika? Well, I guess. So, who was with the group? It was Shereel, Starbreeze, uh, Margay, and anybody. There should have been two more, right? Well, there Antonia was Antonia and the Queen. Okay, yeah, Antonia. Um, I don't know what Klika can do for Antonia right now, but at least for Starbreeze, uh, it doesn't look like he has his instrument with him, right? So no. I'm like, honest. Alright, uh, Klika will try and find a replacement in town and pay for it and leave it by his bed for when he wakes up. Just take one from the Dwarvish band at the, uh, yeah. the Succubi Scorn. Very well. Jarzak's um, just gonna stay by the queen's side. To make sure, you know, no one tries to kill her or anything. Very well. Watch um, like There's orcs watching now. Actually, probably a really, really good idea. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. In case someone didn't if get you... the message, it just comes in guns yeah. blazing. Uh, 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 oh. I'd say, oh, yeah, Starzak, that is probably a good idea. Somebody might, might get... So, some wrong thoughts in their heads and try to kill her thinking that she's a danger. Very good thinking. <laughs> Looking out for her. I'm proud of you. It, yeah. That's that's definitely what Jarzak was thinking when he volunteered. Oh. Can you go ahead and roll me an athletics check or a strength check in order to hold on to her? Unless you have some other means with which you would do so. And she's not particularly uh, strong by any means, but... Um... Yeah. I don't have any other way that just isn't just gonna be damaging to her. <laughs> so what do you got? A nat 20? <laughs> nice. So, holding her in the most uh, kind, very strong way possible, she tries to resist for quite a bit, and as Norhill gets cleaned up, Klika runs to run some errands. Anton looks over the uh, the wounded. You standing there holding her without much an idea of where to bring her next. Uh, like Norhill said, and like you had planned for at one point, a group of townsfolk come walking up and circling, and a few of the orcs as well come up and see you holding her in this way, and one of the townsfolk yell out, I don't believe this is really her. Kill her. It's another trick. That succubi cannot be killed. She's a demon. You're going to have to go through me. And with that, the orcs in the area also look very puzzled by you holding her in this very strange way. 
Um, and a few of them look confused and don't know if they should start shoving aside the humans who are circling and looking threatening, and they sort of look to you for some sort of a sign of what to do. Yeah, hold them back, boys. Oh, no. Okay, that's that's alarming. So that the people standing around begin to look confused and scared, hearing the orc soldiers are going to start holding them back. One of them yells out and says, They're in cahoots! The orcs! The succubi! We should have known! So what would you like to do to this? We're not in cahoots. This is not the same one who attacked you. This is the real queen who's been imprisoned. We have to get her healed. So if you'd like to, you can roll a persuasion check, unless you want to toss a little zing of intimidation on top of that. Oh, persuasion's fine. Okay. Uh, 18. Okay. So that the townies standing around you seem to backpedal a little bit, seeing the genuine like care in your visage. But the sternness of your words leads it to believe that this isn't like a lover protecting a lover or somebody protecting someone they care for deeply. This is a very responsible individual caring for a wounded individual, you know? So even the orcs who step in and try to like get your back on this one, do so with much validation in the strength of your vindiction here. And as some of the people step back and they say, could it really be the queen? Is it her? And somebody says, I always knew she was still alive. And with that, people just kind of start to grumble and grabble amongst themselves. And the queen, who at this point had been fighting you so, so hard up to this point, just sort of gives up and like slumps over, giving up in despair. And just kind of hangs there limp in your arms. After time passes and the party are free to go meet with the council, did you want to take the queen with you? Um, Jarzak will probably try to take the queen to some healers or something to try and get her mind mm -hmm. right. Um, for what it's worth. As far as the power of healers in this world, or at least in this region go, Anton is likely the strongest healer that you all know of, and the only one who could rival that power would likely be Aldo himself. Okay, then to the council we go. Because <laughs> I know Very where well. he's going to be. So, as the party uh, returned to the council chambers, gasps erupt from all the voices as the party lead Queen Elvira Garavar in her truest form into the council chambers, and as she is brought to a bit of a dais in the center, the people all begin to sort of shout out, and everybody has their own moments of like, it's the succubus! It's a, you know, the, you know what I mean? Like, everybody just seems to be in such doubt over the possibility of her truly being there, and she herself looks so terrified, but Jarzak manages to hold her in an iron grip and keep her there, and, um, yeah, I imagine Jarzak probably tells them as well that she's oh, yeah. not well. No, Jarzak will yell for this one. Just quiet. This is the real queen. The imposter is dead. With that, people begin to hush. It goes deathly quiet. And finally, somebody speaks up. And you realize for just a moment that it seems to be the steward for the King Theron of Azkabellum. And he says, you've killed her? Indeed. In fact, it was good King Jarzak here who struck the final blow. 
And with that, they all just seem to like gasp. And there's uh, like different levels of people just kind of stammering amongst themselves for a moment. And with that, one of the gnomes on the council speaks up and says, I think that they deserve a fine huzzah for their great deeds this day. Surely they acted as one, even though the good king of the orcs had dealt the final blow. It is with their conjoined efforts that the evil succubus is dead. And you are certain she is dead. This is no matter of trickery. Quite. I saw her corpse myself. And with that, they all again begin to mumble amongst themselves, and people begin to shout and cheer as if some great and final blow has been dealt to the uh, Herald of Steel's uh, Iron Maelstrom at this point. And one of them shouts out and says, Does his army still march within the city of Eagleheart? His army does. Perhaps it was too much to hope that the Iron Soldiers would collapse in the absence of their commander. So with that, the cheers are brought to sort of a hush as people begin to stammer amongst themselves. Finally, somebody speaks up and says, they have been dealt a very terrible blow. And at this moment, you can see Aldo step forward with his little staff, and he says, but the battle is not over. We knew this when we entered it, and now we must plan for a final strike. Tell me, good queen, are you capable of joining us this day? And discussing these matters. She, within Jarzak's arms, looks to little Aldo Felthistle and hawks the most vile and evil loogie you've ever seen and begins to scream as if being skinned alive. And with that, the entire room begins to like cling to their chairs and scoot back. And Aldo wipes away the uh, vitriol from his shirt and takes a step aside and he says, I think it's safe to say she is not well, as the good king has said. You must accept my sincere apologies on her behalf. She and the other captives that we managed to rescue have been through horrors unimagined. And it will be some time before their minds and bodies recover, if ever. You know that he sort of nods a bit and he says, You may send her to my chambers. I have much I can do, but perhaps if all that is right in the world is true, a glimmer of sunshine may help her. And he looks over to Anton for a moment, gives a wink, and he begins to approach towards the queen, and he holds a hand up in her direction, aimed in her way. And as he does so, she begins to jerk her head left and right, and from his hand, a glimmer of white light begins to shine. And as she looks at it and focuses on it, she passes out and falls limp in his arms again. And with that, people gasp. And he says, now, now, she should be right as rain in the morning. At least I would hope. Perhaps we should monitor her. In any case, now is a time for planning. As I said before, and he looks around the gnomish council members and everybody else in attendance, and he says, well, I've done my part. And he just kind of wipes his hands off, grabs a candy out of his pocket, and just walks away like he's literally, like, clocked out for the day. He just, like, punched his card. He's just out. He just turns around and starts walking to go sit down on the floor next to Klika, and he just kind of gives her a little wink, hands her a piece of candy. Klika sucks it down. I submit that we should be... I submit to the council that 
we begin making our plans to move upon the Herald of Steel spire. If we can bring that thing down, then all the Herald of Steel's plans collapse with it. Unfortunately, much of the information about this uh, died with Kaliskai. Uh, however, for the Council's consideration, I offer uh, the journal of uh, Jadon ba uh, Bagrid, the Queen's own Captain of the Guard. Uh, from his notes and observations, we might be able to piece together some of what Kaliskai once knew about this whole situation. Well, that everybody begins to nod and speak amongst themselves. And somebody says, you believe that Jaden would have an understanding of the machinations of such a thing? He was closer to both the good queen, Alvir Garavar, and to Kaliskai than anyone. Well, that they begin to sort of nod in agreement as one of the council members begins to thumb through the journal. Finally, another one of the council members says, so... If we are to march upon the spire, we ought to begin sooner than later. Marching this much of an army would take great time and great effort. We should have our mm -hmm. forces ready in the morning. And one of them sort of shouts over to the steward for Ascabellum and says, Good steward, is it possible that you can have your men ready tomorrow, if not by the end of this week? And the steward, who seems to have been eating something that he brought with him, not even candy, he himself sort of uh, puts his hands on his hips and he says, I'm afraid I'd have to speak with the king about such a thing. Seems a bit of a, quite the ask to uh, have him help in such a way. Perhaps this can wait until tomorrow or the next day when we may speak with him ourselves. He is far too troubled at this time to, to really do anything at all. I'm sorry. Well, I should say that we ought to take as much time as we need for this. We shouldn't march in haste. However, I would like to hear an address from the king himself on the state of Ascabellum's forces. With that, he seems to be a little too preoccupied looking at his fingers and finishing what it was that he was eating to answer anything. Uh, could the kind steward submit a, t a reasonable timetable for when we can expect such an address? And with that, he kind of coughs on his meal a little bit, and he says, uh, um, It's hard to say. Uh, perhaps tomorrow, the next day, maybe two days from now, three. It's hard to say. He's certainly not doing well. And with this, many grumbles come from the rest of the council and the people meeting here. Well, if the king is truly so indisposed, perhaps I may suggest a compromise. Perhaps myself, yourself, uh, one or more of my companions, and a witness from the council can speak to him in private. And then one of us can deliver his thoughts on these matters openly. And with that, he sort of looked to you with a sort of puzzled look on his face. And he says, I'm... Not so sure this could be arranged, but I'll have to speak with him about this. I'm sure you understand. What time of day is it? At this point, it's like three o'clock in the morning. 
I would like to hear an answer on that suggestion at first light, if not sooner. He says, you'll have to understand with how late it is. I may have to greet you around midday. I would prefer that this didn't wait, good sir. And with that, he says, I'm afraid the world does not revolve around your time, and it does not work within the confines of what you find to be most reasonable. Other people here are very important, and my well-being is very important to the success of this council's meeting. Unless anybody here would like to disagree that my time and my well-being is not worth as much as this dwarf here. I forgot that him and his army are the one that we're hoping to waylay against this spire. Uh, tell me again, who was it that won the day here in Enton? Who was it who crossed the seas in order to come here and save everybody? I forgot, it was the dwarves. Perhaps I should be a little bit more forgiving, and maybe a little bit more appreciative of those that were killed within their own homes. Right. Perhaps we should recognize the good gifts that my king and myself, by namesake and by right of position, have offered this council and these very, very unfortunate people. So, if you wouldn't mind, I will get my sleep, and I will see you when I very well please. Counselor, before you leave, I would like to invoke my right to respond. One of the council members, very confused by this whole altercation, very annoyed, just kind of aims his finger at you without saying anything and just... Very confusedly is like just nodding. He's like, yeah, sure. Okay. Of course, it is not my intention to impugn upon the honor of the good steward, nor suggest nor belittle the great kingdom of Vascabellum's significant contributions to this war effort. And of course, I understand that the world does not revolve around me and my needs, but I would remind the good steward. Nor does the world revolve around the king's ills and foibles. If the king is truly so ill that he cannot at least deliver news on the state of his kingdom uh, and his armies in private to willing neutral witnesses, then I would suggest that some healer, perhaps the Honorable Fel Thistle, for example, might see to him uh, per perhaps his ill is something which can be cured. And with that, the steward who finishes cleaning off his hands stops for a moment and freezes, staring in your direction, unblinking, and his head begins to tilt a little bit as if listening into something. And he stands there for just like hot, two awkward, three awkward seconds. And finally, he says, as he resumes chewing with a mouthful, I don't think we need to do that. I think, if anything, perhaps you are a voice of reason, and you should come meet with the king yourself. Yes, I'm sure he would be very happy to see you. Perhaps right now. Insight! Can I do an insight? This sounds sketchy as... <laughs> This works from the Anton from the from the corner, just inside. Nothing's wrong. He's a frog. What did you and say? I fucking crit. I crit. So <laughs> nice. I see his eyes. 
he very much so is singing a different tune than he was before. And it definitely seems like he's playing into some game here as if uh, he very knowingly is uh, trying to, I don't want to say this, get Nora Hill in a very precarious position by doing this. It seems that he knows how wounded Nora Hill and the rest of the gang are from their very recent uh, battle, which again was only like 30 minutes ago when you really think about it. Um, sorry, an hour and 30 minutes ago. So it seems like he himself is taking advantage of this and trying to say, no, let's do this right now. The fact that there was that awkward three second pause, it was very inhuman and very strange. Anton's gonna step in. Anton's gonna just be, he looks normally, he says, I understand the importance of this, but as it was noted, it is in the middle of the night, near morning. I say we all get our rest, we get our wits about us, and then we discuss. How does that sound to you? And Anson just looks at, what's his name? Sketchy McSketch. Yeah, right. Sketchy McSketch, Sketch the Steward. Um <laughs> But yeah, as you say this to him, he nods and he looks to you in a strange way as well for a moment, sizing you up. And for a moment, it feels like he's reading you like a book. And as he does so, he says, yes, I suppose we could meet tomorrow in the afternoon. Sure. I'll have time to gather myself and the king to discuss this matter. And with that, he turns on heel and begins to walk out of there towards the door to the inner sanctum where the chambers are. And somebody from the council yells out, they say, Good steward, the council meeting is not yet adjourned. And with that, he stops for a moment, turns his head over shoulder and says, As steward to the king of Ascabellum, leader of the greatest army this land has seen, this meeting is adjourned and begins to continue walking his way out of here, the door closing behind him. Everybody in attendance looks very confused, very puzzled by this happening here, and is not sure really how to proceed. So with that, the council slowly begins to break apart and go upon their uh, their separate uh, business. Clink is going to slap uh, Aldo's leg and be like, did, did you tell them about how he's like a fake? Yeah, we he found says, out the king's an imposter. The what? Yeah, remember, like, Anton. I know she me. was climbing in the wall, and somebody sent me a message through my brain. It was very confusing. It was Anton. Uh, you know that checks out. But with that, he says, "Listen, we're all aware that things are strange here, but you have to understand that just proclaiming these things is." A very dangerous place. His army is nearly ten times the size of anybody else's here. And they're plotting they're against on tentative us. grounds. Do we? Who? All the of king. us? The king. What did I do? I didn't do anything. They hate giant oh. bumblebees. Do, uh, I have a question. It... So, clearly, the stewards got the king by whatever. There's got to be a lead general or someone else in charge of the armies that we can talk to. It can't just be him. Well, unfortunately, the king of Azkabellum has a very wonderful position as a militocratic leader of also being the head warlord and general of his people. 
he rode out to battle when you guys did. So yeah, Clink, sure, Clink there just are wants other to generals. Track down like Rudaloo or someone else on the council and ask about what happened to that bottle we gave them way back when. Because I don't know why we didn't follow up on that, but that would have been good. Okay. Yeah, you can stop somewhere. Yeah, you can stop members of the council. Um, but as you uh, ask Rudalu about that, Rudalu explains that that has gone to a hidden vault to be further inspected, and as something that belonged to some sort of a uh, member of uh, how do I say this? A citizen of Taihalon, if you want to put it very nicely, they feel that any sort of act against Taihalon at this time, especially, is a very silly move. So they've simply put it away into safekeeping and hiding, hoping that nothing will come of it. But upon you asking this, Rudalu looks very confused and wants to know why you're so curious. Um. Well, we have some reason to believe that maybe Taihalon might have far more influence here than it seems at first. And Klika's just going to look at the nearest banner for Ascabellum while she says this. Okay. So it would be helpful if we had something that could compel a person to speak truths they normally wouldn't. Or speak and act in a way they normally wouldn't. And with that, the gnome nods gently, but looking at you with a very grave expression and says, Though I am willing to believe you, as you've done nothing but help us, and your honesty and your bravery have led us to every success and victory we've had here up to this point, I'm afraid I cannot do such a thing. In good faith, I could not do something that could be so treacherous to our one strongest and most powerful ally. Whether or not there is influence from Taihalon, all it takes is the steward's word, and this military is completely gone. And we will be steamrolled. We will be lost. I click up thinks that maybe inaction might be a far greater poison than treachery at this point. But Klika won't ask you to make that decision. Klika and her friends will figure something out. With that, he sort of tells you, with respect, you mustn't touch the flask. Oh, Klika wasn't gonna. Klika will make Jarzak do it. <laughs> no. And so, with that, the party are going to return to their wonderful little tavern to rest for the night, or did you have other people you wanted to speak with? I would like to suggest that Rudalu make sure that there are guards or somebody watching the king's quarters. At least with that. Keep, keeping an eye on things. He tells you in very short words that they already have been because of how peculiar his behavior's been, and they say nobody's seen the king in quite some time. Well, as always, Klika appreciates everything you've done for us, Rudaloo, you and the council. Thank you, and then she'll leave for the night. Okay. So as the party head back to the tavern, 
and make their way to going to sleep. One of the uh, healers from Glory Wake's camp here rushes to the tavern a couple hours after you guys return and bang upon the door, um, trying to rouse whoever's here. And the innkeeper of the succubi scorn immediately rouses the party from their sleep and says that a cleric of Glory Wake would like to speak with the party. Anton, you couldn't wait till morning? I don't think that's me. But okay. It's just Anton. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah. (laughs) So, as you guys rush down to uh, speak with the cleric, the cleric, one that Anton had never met, never seen before, none of you have, sort of looks to you guys with a smile on his face for just a moment as he says... I'm sorry, I've never met any of you before, and it's truly an honor, but unfortunately, one of the people in your company that you, you had brought in for healing is is not doing well. I'm afraid to say, I don't think she's going to make it through the night. She's requested only to speak with you all. Very well, we shall go to her immediately. Who was it? The The eldest, Antonea. Her breathing is labored, and I don't think she's going to make it throughout her sleep. Well, then, sounds like we have to hurry. Uh, Nor- Norhill changes into the booth of the long march from his uh, wombat slippers. Wombat <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, comes behind and he has the stick of healing, the staff of healing ready just in case. And so, as the party rushed through the early morning, nearly five o'clock in the morning, um, the party uh, run to the healing tent here and see a group of the clerics surrounded in prayer around one of the uh, beds and looking very, very sick and very pale. Antonia seems to be laying there, um, not moving much at all. And as the party get closer, she looks with barely open eyes towards the party and reaches one hand towards you. Um. Well, we're here now. And with that, she looks to the group and she says, I haven't much time left. I, at one point, was very afraid that my last moments alive would be in the clutches of the the demon. But I am happy to say that you have all done well. I have suffered much at her hand, but I now can die at peace. And with that, the clerics around you begin to kind of take notice that you guys are speaking with her and realizing how the situation is. They all turn and sort of vacate, leaving you guys alone here in the tent. Um, The tent itself is like 40 feet by 30 feet, and it seems to be like a big military tent converted with multiple beds. But she's the only one in this one, given sort of the space. Um, you guys being all alone here with the torchlight, I mean, the lantern lights dangling around. It's got a very gloomy appearance, but she sits there and holds out her hand, grasping onto Anton's, and she says, I know I haven't much of a future beyond this realm, and having given my soul to the eyes of Felior, as she coughs here very violently, there is nothing waiting for me. But let it be known, you've done well and you've done much don't give up please if anything in this world is worth fighting for 
You all know it. Please, don't give up. And as she begins to look vacantly behind you guys for a moment, a single gasp seems to leave her throat as a death rattle, but her eyes fixate behind you for just a single second. And breaking the still of the moment and the pain of seeing this poor soul so tortured, finally dying, the sound of a shling as a blade is pulled from scabbard realizes the uh, party are not alone here in the tent. And as the party quickly turn to look behind them, surrounding you on all four sides are men in black cloaks, wearing black leathers, each armed with daggers, looking menacingly at the party joined in the circle here. And that's where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.